When we make our way through much of the book of Revelation, we find ourselves right at the tail end, right at the tail end of um, what God is doing and will be doing in the last days. We're coming to that last and final time um, before the Lord Jesus Christ comes, sets foot upon the earth, um, defeats all of his enemies, and brings in and ushers in his millennial kingdom. Before he does that, there are yet seven more plagues, seven more judgments that are poured upon the earth and upon the universe. And uh, we're going to see those today. Um, but I'd like to read through chapter 15 first, just so you can see what's going on as these things are happening. And so you look there, Revelation chapter 15. The Bible says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, Stand on the sea of glass, having the hearts of God. And so here are these that had had the victory over the beast. Now, where are these people? Where are these people? What do you think um, as you read these things? Um, They're standing on this sea of glass. And so where are they? They're in heaven, right? And so what does that mean these saints have had happen to them? They died, and yet, what does the Bible tell us? They had victory, right? They had victory. And uh, we'll see in a moment uh, part of that victory, uh, but they had victory over the beast. Though the beast killed him, this Antichrist, he could not defeat them. And over his image... Um, his image proclaimed and thrown throughout the whole world, out of Jerusalem, out of the temple of God that he desecrated, over his mark, which he required every person and they, all the world to take upon penalty of death. If people did not take the Antichrist, the devil's mark, they they will um, face death. They will have immediately uh, a death penalty placed upon them and they will die. And many did. Not only that, but in order to be able to even buy and sell, people are going to have to have this mark of the beast upon their forehead or upon their hand. They had victory over that. Well, how did they have victory? They did not take the mark. And though they did not take the mark, and because of that they died, still they had victory. They were singing. We'll see what they're singing in a second. And, uh, and over the number of his name, uh, the number of the beast is 666. What does that mean? I do not know. But every time something comes up $6.66, for whatever reason, I get nervous. Uh, nothing's ever happened to me. Uh, but uh, but that is what the Bible says the mark of the beast is. By the way, I don't think you have to worry about it today. Uh, but that is something they will have to worry about then. I want you to notice. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now, I want to remind you or or tell you what the song of Moses in particular is. You you can look back in the the book of Exodus and the song of Moses. You notice that we see that God is a God of war 
who is mighty over his enemies. You remember, uh, Moses is the one who caused or brought about um, the miracle of God in having all of the Israelites pass through the Red Sea, right? And Gabriel, do you remember how they passed over? How did they get through that Red Sea? you remember? No, well, what, they, what God did is he parted the sea. And they walked right through the sea on dry land. That's amazing, isn't it? And all the Israelites did that. And once the Israelites came in, the Egyptian army tried to go through. But what happened to them? What do you think happened to them, Gabriel? That well, what happened to the sea once they got in? That's exactly right. The, the waters whoosh washed right over them, and they all died. They all died. These enemies of God, especially Pharaoh leading this army, uh, they all died. This is the song of Moses. Our God is a God who is mighty over his enemies. And the song of the Lamb. Now, who's the Lamb? Jesus is the Lamb, whose mercy is, is new every morning. He is glorious and mighty. Saying, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Thou King of saints. By the way, remember, we're saints. He's our King, and he's the King of us. Um, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And we know, according to uh, Philippians chapter 2, that every tongue shall bow, uh, shall confess that Jesus is Lord, and every knee shall bow before him. But the truth is, is that no matter what a person has believed, no matter how many times a person has blasphemed God, everybody in the end will believe. But the belief that people have is too late if they do not repent here. It is too late. But everybody will believe in Jesus in the end. And they will bow and glorify Him. Um, Verse 5, And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God, and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple, till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now we're talking about the heavenly temple, which is a truly remarkable place, of of much greater, uh, it's a much greater building than even the, the temple that Solomon built. It's greater than the pagodas, in uh, Asia and in, in Burma, which, by the way, are have gold overlaid every several years. Um, these uh, these these temples in Burma, um, the temple of God in heaven, is greater than any earthly temple. Nobody's going to be able to enter in until those seven vials are are poured out upon the earth. But when they are people will be able to enter in. Um, People are not going to be able to enter in at this point, but there will come a time where people enter in. Now, where are all the people? They're upon that sea of glass, right? And they will be able to go in where the Lord is. 
And uh, by the way, we're going to be able to go into, and I'm excited about that day. I hope you are too. But before that happens, seven vials. Now those vials, uh, I don't know what they look like, um, but a vial is a container that pours water, uh, that pours out water. And uh, that's what he's talking about here. Uh, you can think back to some of us who are science classes, and we'd have the vials with the liquid, and you'd pour one vial into the beaker, and you'd pour another vial into the beaker, and then explosions would happen. Uh, but that's what he's talking about here, a, a, a container, probably, uh, we don't know what it's made of, but probably metal, I would imagine, and these vials are poured out upon the earth. And so let's take a look at these things, and uh, may God help us today to understand these things are coming. And these are truly, these. as we look at these vile judgments, uh, they are coming down upon the earth um, to bring uh, a judgment upon the earth. It really is going to, um, it's going to be the most terrible of things that are happening um, right up until the battle of Armageddon, which will be the worst of days. It will be the great and terrible day of the Lord. But until then, we have these seven uh, these seven vile judgments. Revelation chapter 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out this vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon all the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And so we have uh, those, uh, we have a, a great and terrible sore that comes upon all people who bow down to the image of the devil, the image of the Antichrist, and who take his mark. Who take his mark. We need to understand that in this life, we are going to have decisions to make. And before us, as we look at those decisions, we will be able to, with our mind's eye, see the consequences of those decisions. We need to understand, just as these people needed to understand, that even though consequences may be great, they may be very bad. They may, we may see a consequence before us and say, well, if, if, um, if, if God doesn't want me to do that, but if I don't do that, I am going to lose something. I'm going to lose something that's precious to me. I might lose some money. I might lose a relationship. I might lose um, these types of things, uh, things that really we value in our lives. Um, these people, they value their lives. We, we are facing those decisions, and God says, I do not want you to do that. I want you to not do that. I want you to do this. We need to understand that no matter what the consequences of us, if we do something that God doesn't want us to do because of the consequences if we don't do it, we need to understand that Apart from the mercy of God, the consequences that come from not, from not doing what God wants us to do are worse. Are worse. 
And God gives us an example here. A future example. I want you to notice back in Revelation 13. Revelation 13. If you start there in verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwelt therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And so what we're seeing here is that this Antichrist, um, this, this first one who's going to come upon the earth, is going to die, or at least he's going to seem to die. And then he's going to seem to come back to life. And then this second beast is going to require an image to be made. Now in the Bible, an image is something to be worshipped. An image is something to be worshipped. And so many people would make images. They make images of, of different animals and they worship these animals. We call them idols. If you remember back in the days of Moses... As the Israelites were wandering in the desert, they took all their golden earrings and all their golden jewelry and all their golden things and they cast them uh, into the fire to melt it and then um, they made a great idol of uh, a cow. They made a cow and they worshipped the cow. They, they worshipped the uh, that image. Well, in these last days, there is going to be an image that people are going to worship. Now, what is that image going to be? I don't know. It could be that each family has its own image that it worships in the home. It could be something that, um, based upon technology, people are able to have based upon technology in the home. Um, technology has gotten to be where you can have a holographic image, and, uh, and though it's small at this point, even in daylight, which is truly remarkable, truly remarkable, that a holographic image can be seen during in, in the daylight. Um, but it may be a, some type of holographic image of this uh, of this man who died and came to life, who did miracles and performed miracles. Well, guess what? People are going to be required to worship the beast. Um, I think this image is going to be in public places. And when people, when that image comes on or when people pass by, they will be required to worship the image. If they do not, they will face death. And if you continue reading, in verse 15, And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And so what happens to everybody who doesn't worship the image of the beast? They get killed. They get killed. Verse 16, He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And so when 
People talk about the mark of the beast. You may have heard that vernacular. This is what is being talked about. In the end days, at the very, uh, after the Antichrist takes his, up his throne in the temple of God and desecrates the temple of God, um, so that he might be worshipped around the world, he is going to require that all people, whether they're small, whether they're great, whether they're rich, whether they're poor, to take the mark upon their foreheads or in their hand, on their right hand, um, and listen to what he says, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And so we, we see what the number is in verse 18, the 666. Um, but I, again, I don't know. Uh, maybe it will be uh, uh, some kind of barcoding uh, that has 666 in it. Um, some type of, of uh, chip that's implanted within the foreheads of people. Um, by the way, we already implant GPS modules within dogs and cats. Um, and there's, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, by the way, there's, there are people and movements of people um, who want to take the chips. How many of you had to, when you go to the, the uh, store, you, you can't swipe your credit card anymore. You, they make you put your, your uh, credit card in with the chip. You ever seen that? And it's not a big chip, is it? It's just a little tiny chip. Just a little tiny chip. And that chip is red, is red, uh, not by magnetic strip, um, but through radio waves. And so radio waves are used all over the place for purchases. How many of you have a transponder on your car so when you go through tolls you don't have to stop and and uh, you don't have to stop and pay. You just, just go right through. You know what I'm talking about? Um, that's a radio wave. And so <clears throat> there's no doubt that, that in, at least in my mind, that this is the type of thing that's going to happen in this end time, people are going to have to take the mark of the beast. If they don't, they won't even, they won't be able to buy and sell. Alright? How many of you bought something today? Anybody buy something today? You guys did. You were at Stockton Shop. Oh, you cashed a check. Okay. I did. But I bought something. I got some, some food at Stockton Shop. Imagine you couldn't just go buy something. You couldn't just go buy something, right? Would that be a difficult thing? Would that be a difficult thing? Sure. No doubt about it. You can't just go on Amazon and buy something. Uh, you can't just run down to the grocery store and get milk. Um, you can't do that if you don't have the mark of the beast. It's truly going to be a difficult time for God's people. But God's people have greater than the ability to buy and sell. They have Him. And this is hard for us in our day. Um, I, I do think we would shrink under this type of persecution. And I praise the Lord that we have the opportunity to be saved here. Because I wonder if we would get saved then. If it was a matter of taking the mark of the beast or being able to be guaranteed that I could have food, I wonder if I wouldn't choose the mark of the beast. I'm glad I could be saved here and don't have to wait till then. But some people 
will be that those people will be faced with that, and the majority of people are going to take the mark upon themselves. Why? Well, you can imagine why. It doesn't take uh, a whole lot of thinking um, to put yourself in the place of those people. If you want to buy anything, you have to have this. If you don't want, if you get caught without it, you die. Let me ask you, is that a decision with great consequence? Yeah, no doubt about it. In fact, uh, very few people have to face anything like this, but we have to face things of a smaller scale. Where the devil wants us to do one thing, but God wants us to do another thing. The promise of what the devil has is maybe monetary or relational or or, uh, or something like that. God doesn't give that promise. And so we are faced with a decision. Will I do what God wants me to do or will I do what the devil wants me to do? And I want you to know, though the consequences there may be consequences in following God. There may be. There may be consequences in following God. But the reward is great. By the way, there are consequences in following the devil. The consequences are greater with the devil than with God. They're greater. Let me ask you. We can see these people. We can see them in the Bible. In the Bible, we see that there are those who lose their life. We saw that in Revelation 15. They lost their life. Was that a great consequence? Yes. Is the consequence of following the devil worse? It is. Because those who follow the devil, by the way, everybody who takes the mark of the beast, there's no turning back. There's no turning back, and nobody does. Nobody does. We'll see that in a second. The consequence is worse, because they will never be able to live forever with God in heaven. They will be cast into hell. Is the reward greater for those who don't take the mark of the beast and lose their life? They do. What happens in Revelation 15? We find them upon the sea of glass before the temple of God that though there's smoke there, they know once the vials are cast, uh, poured out upon the earth, they get to go in and be with God forever. Can you imagine that? And so they forfeited certain things. They forfeited food. They forfeited homes. Imagine not, you, you can't pay rent. Right? There's no rent to pay. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't pay rent. I really don't know what people are going to do in those days, except maybe find some wilderness where nobody can find them. And I do wonder if there will be small communities that sustain themselves and, and people help each other in these places um, where they will not they will not have to worry about this mark. Um, but but God gives us these things not only see, so we can see before us, but also this, that we know in our day, though it is of a smaller scale, we can trust God. Amen? We can trust God and say, God, I can see the consequences of following you. And and I I don't like it. It's not happy in in a lot of ways. And by the way, most of the time, 
what we see with our mind is never as bad. I mean, is is always worse than it ends up being. Almost always is it worse than it ends up being. How many of you ever had to have a hard conversation? You thought about it for hours. You didn't sleep the night before. You thought about all the bad things that were going to happen as soon as you started having that bad conversation. Right? This is going to be the worst thing ever. This person is going to ring me out. This person is going to yell at me. This person is going to hate me. And uh, you think about it all night long. And then the next day, you have that conversation, and it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. It, was, it just wasn't as bad. It's happened to you, Gabriel? Yeah. And uh, that, that's, that's because God is able to cause things to work out better for us than we normally would. And I believe that with all my heart. Um, and so may God help us to learn this principle. God's way will have consequences, but the devil's way the consequences his way is worse. God's way will have rewards. The devil's way will have rewards, but God's way's rewards is always better than the devil's. Do you believe that? It's true. There's no doubt about it. And so, again, these people, they're, they're not, they're not, they don't have to, but if they don't do it, they die. And, uh, in verse 18, here is wisdom. Let he that have understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, three score and six. And so that's 666. But again, in Revelation 15 and verse 2, and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, Stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of gold, and they sing a song of Moses. And uh, so may God help us to to see these things. And so the first the first vial is poured out, and what happens? Everybody that has the mark of the beast has a sword. Uh, it is a terrible sword that comes upon them. The Bible says it, uh, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore. Upon the men which had the mark of the beast. What is a noisome sore? What is a noisome sore? Well, have you ever had a sore that made you make noise? Right? Oh, right? I'm sure um, you can have sores that, that make you moan and groan because they hurt. Right? How many of you ever had a, a wound that hurt worse at night? It always hurts worse at night, doesn't it? And it makes it hard to sleep. Um, there have been uh, sores that I've had in the past, different pains and aches that I've had that have kept me up at night, and it's made me mad to where I uh, where I yell because I can't sleep. Has anybody yelled because they couldn't sleep before? Um, I've yelled because I wasn't able to sleep before. By the way, I praise the Lord for good night's sleep. That's a precious gift. To have a good night's sleep, but there was a there was a noisome and a grief sore. It was a, it's every person upon the earth that takes the mark of the beast. By the way, God is at this time showing Himself because everybody who's found without the mark of the beast, what are they not going to have? They're not going to have this sore, right? They're not going to have this sore. And why don't they have the sword? They don't have the mark of the beast. 
And so God is showing them, you see, I'm here. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just make it so obvious to everybody that He is and that Jesus saves? Have you ever wondered why God doesn't do something like that? Truth is, He does. But people don't believe anyway. You see, people are going to have the mark of the beast. They're going to have a sword. The ones without the sword uh, are the ones without the sword, the ones who don't have the mark of the beast, and they're still not going to believe, which is a remarkable thing. Talk about science, right? You want to to have an observation of what's going on. Everybody who has the mark of the beast has a sword. Everybody who doesn't have the mark of the beast doesn't have a sword. Ah, we still don't believe in God. How ridiculous, right? And so there's the first vial. Verse 3, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Now what did the second trumpet vial do? Do you guys remember? What did the second trumpet vial do? It had to do with the, the sea. A third, right? A third of all the, of the creatures in the sea die. How many die now? All of them. Can you imagine what a disaster that will be? Talk about food chain destruction. Um, but here we have all the creatures in the sea die. Um, in the, in the, there's the death of every living thing in the sea. Every living thing. By the way, I believe God's going to make all things new. I don't think the new earth is going to have no sea creatures. I think we're going to be able to enjoy all the sea creatures that are good for us to enjoy. Verse 4, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. Now, if you remember back in the trumpet vial, the trumpet judgments, in the third judgment, um, the third judgment was wormwood. And what did wormwood do a third of the drinking water? Made it bitter, and everybody who drank it died. Right? Well, now God is going to make all the water blood. Why does he do that? Notice what he says. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given the blood of them blood to drink, for they are worthy. What are they worthy? They're worthy to drink blood. In other words, they're, they're going to have to drink bloody waters in order to be sustained. And if you remember back in Egypt in the days of Moses, um, God called, turned all the rivers into blood. And they had to drink the water from that river. They would have to dig um, near the river in hopes that the, the, the sands next to the rivers would somehow um, get at least much of the iron and the, the bloodiness out of the water so that they had something that was a little bit more pure. And though I don't think that um, everybody is going to die because of this, it is going to be miserable. It is going to be miserable. Notice what happens. Um, and I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. 
Verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blaspheming the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Now, if you remember back into the trumpet judgments, God did something with the sun then. He, uh, he darkened it one third. Well, in this judgment, he doesn't darken it one third, but makes it so hot that it scorches the earth. It scorches the earth. And uh, we don't like being in the cold, uh, but just imagine being in the desert. That's what a scorching heat is. It's a desert heat. It's a desert heat. And he is going to bring a desert heat upon the earth. What do the people do about it? What do the people do about this desert heat, as well as all the plagues that have come upon them from before? What do they do when it comes to God? They blaspheme Him. They curse His name. That's what the word blaspheme means. They curse His name. Can you imagine that? God shows them, hey, everybody who takes the mark of the beast has a sword. Everybody who doesn't have the mark of the beast doesn't have a sword. And then He he kills all the creatures in the sea. Then He turns all the water to blood. Then he causes the sun to bring a scorching heat. You see everybody that takes the mark of the beast? God knows their heart. And their heart is this. I am not going to repent no matter what. I'm not going to repent no matter what. And rather than repent, by the way, did they believe God was the one who did this? Notice what it says. It's amazing. And men were scorched with great heat, verse 9, and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. They said, I know you, God, I have the power over these plagues, and I am cursing you for it. They had given their full allegiance to the devil. What a sad thing. They repented not. By the way, did God want them to repent? They wanted, did, did God want them to repent? Of course, he would not have written it this way if he didn't want them to repent. In fact, the whole reason he gives these judgments is so that they might repent, but they don't. Then we find in the fifth one. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. So we have this fifth vile judgment. First, it's a judgment upon the seat, upon the seat of the beast. What is the seat of the beast? Well, what does it sound like? What does it sound like when we talk about the seat of the beast? A throne, that's right. Um, you, you, um, rulers have these thrones, right? And uh, praise the Lord, our country does not have a, uh, a king, um, so to speak. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when, whenever our leader, our president, um, has something important today, he'll often be sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office. 
Um, why do they make it an Oval Office? They make it to show that though he's the president, he is a servant and not a king. That's why it is made the way it is. And that's the way our country was supposed to be and is supposed to be, by the way. Um, we never want to elect men who think that they're king, but are rather servants. And, and oh to God that they, there'd be someone with a servant's heart. But these people had given their allegiance to this beast. Given their allegiance to this beast. That God pours this fifth vial upon his throne. Turn over to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Look there in verse 15. Verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Who shall read it, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And so what is this holy place? Well, it's the holy of holies in the temple of God. By the way, is there a temple now? Is there a temple? No, no temple. Uh, there is no temple. And so before this comes, there must be a temple built, right? And uh, remarkably, uh, everything is ready for a temple to be built in Jerusalem, um, right where the Golden Dome is in Jerusalem. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen pictures of that? The Golden Dome. Um, that Golden Dome is a shrine. Um, by the way, is if this doesn't help us to see that our God is not the same as the Muslim God, I don't know what does. Now, there's many reasons why. But the Golden Dome of the Rock is where there's a special rock. People go and worship the true, their true God, the Muslims go and worship God at this rock. Imagine that. Is that our God? Do we worship rocks? No. No, our, uh, by the way, there's a great, uh, great controversy in America today, today. Is the Muslim God the same as the Christian God? No. Absolutely. Positively not. It cannot be. They don't mesh at all. Um, but that Dome of the Rock is not going to be there forever. I do believe that at some point that rock, that Dome of the Rock is going to be gone. There's going to be a temple. And, and the, there's going to be the beginnings of the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Now, we don't need to make sacrifices anymore. Jesus made sacrifices himself once for all. But they're going to start up the Old Testament sacrifices. But one day, the Antichrist is going to go into that holy place and desecrate it with his presence. He's going to take up residence. He's going to make his, uh, his place the place of the Holy of the Holies. And, uh, <clears throat> but God in this fifth judgment, in this fifth judgment, is going to pour out this vile judgment upon the seat of the beast. 
Now what is going to happen, I do not know. But God is judging this Antichrist on this day. And people are going to be in such pain that they gnaw on their tongues. They gnaw on their tongues. If you've ever made hospital visits or visited people in the nursing home, sometimes you'll find people gnawing on their tongues. It's really a sad thing because the reason they do it is because there's some other pain that they have somewhere else and gnawing on their tongue numbs the pain away. I remember when I was little and uh, I'd have some hurt. It wasn't a major hurt, but I was hurting somewhere. And my dad says, I have a way to fix that. And he punched me in the shoulder. And uh, it didn't really help. <laughs> but people, when they are in, in pain, and it's a pain that they cannot rid themselves of, will often begin to chew their tongue in order to try to, to get some relief from this pain. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's a terrible thing that these people will go through this. And yet, again, if you notice there, in the fifth angel poured out the vial, his vial upon the sea of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and so this vial comes down the kingdom uh, his kingdom is full of darkness um, and they that's his subjects gnawed their tongues for pain and when they weren't gnawing their tongues they in verse 11 and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. It's remarkable that people, even though they know that these things are come upon them because of their wickedness and their unwillingness to turn to God, rather than turning to them, they blaspheme Him. And finally, the sixth, the sixth vial, where there's a seven, we're only going to go through this, this last one and We'll pick up on this last one a little bit more in the end, in the next week. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now we'll look at this a little bit in a second, but I mean next week. But notice the sixth angel, the sixth vial. It's poured out upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The great river Euphrates is a natural border between the Middle East and the Far East. Um, it is what um, helps to cut off India and China from the Middle East. It's a natural barrier. In other words, it's not easy to bring an army through that great river. By the way, Euphrates is a great river. Well, what is God going to do in this final judgment? He's going to do something that seems to be aiding the enemy. Because what God is talking about here in making the way for the kings of the east is this. 
He is making a way for all the armies that come from the east, China and India in particular. Remember, all nations are going to go up against Israel on the last day. But it seems like he's making it easy for those armies to come across. But in fact, it's a judgment upon them. Because when those armies make their way there, they will find themselves in the worst battle they ever had. It's the battle against the great king of kings and lord of lords. And so though it seems like God is helping them because these armies are going to come. By the way, China has... China can, and they've even said this, within a very short period of time, raise up a 200-man army. 200 men. That's the biggest army the world's ever seen. I think the army of America is about a million. That doesn't include Navy and, and the other branches, but I think the army has about a million people. 200 million is a lot more, right? Let to check me on that area. See how many, how many people are in the army of America. Um, the army in particular. Don't check it now. Check it out. Um, but uh, they can they can raise up a 200 million man army. Right now in China, there is nearly 1.5 billion people. India is set to overtake China as the most populous nation in the world, um, really in the next decade. And so, if you have an army that great, they need to be able to walk across, right? It's not going to be by a bridge. You can't make a bridge and get armies of 200 million across, right? No matter how big the bridge is, that is not going to work. Um, it's not going to be by barging them over. That's not going to work, right? It is a, it would be a, uh, it would be, you would be unable to do it. It's not going to be by airplanes. It would take too long. But what if there was dry land in the river Euphrates? How, how long would it take, uh, an army of 500 million people to cross over? It wouldn't take as long. And God's going to bring that to pass. And these people are going to make their way into Israel um, to make war with the people of God, the Israelites. Oh, to God, that we would be able to see these things and understand in our day what's going on. Look forward to that great day when he takes us to heaven. Amen? Because it can be very soon. It could be today, before we even make it home, He could take us to heaven. And that would be a good thing. It would be a very good thing. God bless you, brother. Any questions before we close in prayer? Any any thoughts or questions about these things? Um, We'll look at the seventh vial next week as we make our way to the the end um, of things. We've still got a little ways to go, but we're making our way to the end. We're coming down to the last part of Revelation. But any thoughts? Any questions? About these things. Mark? The uh, 666 
The evil trinity. And uh, you can see the, the evil trinity there in verse 13. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. <clears throat> Any other comments or, or thoughts or questions? Um, the prophecy is fascinating. It's fascinating. But we want to always remember that God wants to teach us lessons throughout the application. And I believe at least in this sense, the application is this. When we're faced with hard decisions, always do it, always do it God's way. Because God's way is best. The consequences of God's way is not as bad as the consequences of the devil's way. And the rewards of God's way is always better than 